Welcome to Thinking Reimagined. Thinking Reimagined is a unique platform for thoughts provoking intergenerational dialogue in a diverse and inclusive setting with a focus on impactful change in the global workplace and community. Our stakeholders' conversations aim to spark thought, leadership, curiosity, engagement, collaboration, and learning amongst individuals, teams, and beyond. Enjoy, Enjoy this episode. episode and subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and other outlets. Welcome to another broadcast of the Thinking Reimagined. And today's is very dear to my heart, as Nifemi and everyone will attest, because we're talking about the 16 days of activism. Every year we come to this topic since 1991 when it was started and we still are at the precipice of what is occurring globally um, the whole subject matter of violence against women and children and I am going to add men as well is um, predominant globally we've had the pandemic that has affected us We've had climate change, we have the war in Ukraine, we have topics like um, sexual reproductive health going on right now, and it is such a poignant subject, and I do believe that it deserves an entire episode. So I'm going to introduce you to Nifemi, our moderator, who is always with us. Um, Nifemi, welcome. Um, Peter Amand Boyer is with us today, and halfway through the broadcast, Benny Finisher will be joining us. Benny is... Um, a poet, um, a thespian, a musician, a, the whole gamut, but he's got an amazing new play that's come out called Menace, which really tells the stories of the violence against people, and it includes men. That's the twist to it. So welcome, everyone. And Nifemi, what's Thank going you. on in your world, subject area? Dr. Amar, good to see you again. Peter Amar Boyer, actor and Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you for this episode of the Thinking Remind. Let's let's begin by perhaps establishing what you have covered over the years, um, Dr. Amma, uh, the prevalent the prevalent forms of gender-based violence vis-a-vis uh, -vis what you have experienced, the cases that you have handled and also the consultations that you've had in previous years. You know, Nifemi, that's a very um, heavy subject to, to bring up at the very beginning because very often when people talk about um, violence against women, they focus on rape and domestic violence, but it's actually much deeper than that. I mean, you can't talk about violence against women if you don't bring in subjects like human trafficking, the biases that we face in the workspace, the discrimination, the female genital mutilation, the child brides. You have to include all of those things when you're talking about gender violence. I mean, when you think about the things that are going on in the world right now in Iran, where there's a protest going on and the girls are taking off their headscarves and cutting their hair because they're making a statement. You go to the US where, you know, the Roe versus Wade has been reversed and people are talking about um, reproductive health. 
These are all violations of women. Um, you talk about the microaggression that is going on in the world around us. We talk about climate change and the effects it's going to have on women. Look at the pandemic and what the pandemic has done. You know, the other day I was reading an article um, that came out from the UN in September. So a year ago, I was telling people that the, what's it called, World Economic Forum was talking about 136 years before we have gender parity across all areas. Guess what the figure is, gentlemen? Do you want to take a guess? And if I may guess what the figure is right now, it's no longer 136. Take a wild guess. Uh, 500. <laughs> well, you know, if that was the case, I would have just said that's it. 300 years before we have gender parity. Gender parity. We're looking wow. at 300 years. It's getting worse. And so whilst we have 10 days of, sorry, 16 days of activism where we're going to talk about things that we can all do within our communities, the reality is this needs to be a daily subject and everyone must get involved, male, female, transgender, whatever you are along that spectrum, you need to get involved because it is a crisis situation. We need to change the dynamics. We're in a patriarchal society, patriarchal world, and within that world, women need to have a place. And it takes both all genders, I'm going to say, coming together, to prioritize what is essential for bringing this together. We cannot continue year in, year out to talk about 16 days of activism and it's actually getting worse. You, you, you've highlighted how the situation has been heightened by uh, the pandemic crisis occasioned by the climate change, global conflict and um, what appears to be a major economic instability around the world. Uh, the issue of violence against women and girls remains perhaps the most pervasive human rights violation uh, that we are faced with today. Uh, there are some amazing statistics here. Uh, Mr. Boyo, we're told that last year, nearly one in five women aged between 20 and 24 were married before turning 18 and that less than 40% of women who experience violence seek help of any sort. Dr. Ama just mentioned the fact that everyone must be involved. Perhaps you can help us break it down. Uh, precisely how can we all get involved? Uh, the, the UN is you know, being proactive with the 16 days of activism, but let's, let's break it down to how you and I, how the listener, the viewer, can become an active, can take active participation in ensuring that um, this menace is actually uh, uh, brought down to the barest level. Okay. Um, well, first of all, um, when we're talking about gender-based violence, um, especially in this part of the world, um, I think it's a learned behavior like they say, charity begins at home and it, it transgresses and progresses through generations because that is the learned behavior from what they uh, experience or see at home. If you're, if you're a child and your parents are fighting or your dad is hitting your mom and she does nothing, she 
um, she accepts it, the family accepts it, the mother says, that is what I went through, so it's part of marriage, so you go through it. So you're sending a message to the next generation that it's okay, it's part of marriage. Some say it's a show of love. If your spouse doesn't hit you, they don't love you. So it's a learned behavior which has to be broken. And I think as individuals, something like thinking imagine now bringing an awareness to this gender-based violence is showing people that there are voices out there, there's help out there. It's not acceptable. We need to break the yoke, we need to break that chain because it goes on from generation to generation to generation because they feel it's okay, it's part of the culture. It is not part of any culture. Violence is not a cultural um, behavior. It is an aggression. Um, take for instance, um, well, I don't want to call people's names, but there's an instance of a wife that was being abused physically, mentally, and financially. But the in-laws are saying, you have to stay in the marriage for appearances. You have to stay in the marriage because that is how marriages are just accepted. Just go on with it. It's, I went through it, so it's nothing new. Yes, it's nothing new, but is it right? Is this something that we need to continue? I don't know, I'm not a psychologist or whatever, but from my own perspective, if you people or children or the next generation, they learn by example, it is not what I say, it's what I do. So I think we as individuals need to break that chain. If we see someone being abused, we talk to them, we ask them to get help. If they're afraid to get help, sometimes just, I don't care if you're being called a busybody, but it's better to be a busybody than to be going to a funeral because it always ends badly. It never ends well. I'm not only talking about physical abuse now. I'm talking about mental abuse, financial abuse, because women especially feel trapped in that relationship. But there's help out there. Yes, you might start at the bottom, but trust me, there's a support system that can help you. The NGOs, there's other family members, there's people that will speak up, there are people that will fight for you. Just get away and break the chain. I'm just wondering- You know, it's if, interesting. I'm so sorry, Nefemi, go ahead. Yes, I was just saying that I'm wondering if we have a working system that provides uh, buffers for victims in this regard. When you say move out, speak out, just, um, do the right thing. Do we seem to have that structure, particularly in this part of the world that makes it easy for victims to, to take the steps? We don't, Nifemi, you know that. We don't have a social system. You know, there's no social welfare system. It's not developed. It's part of the reason why during the pandemic, it got worse for women and girls. There is no social welfare system. You know, handing out 5,000 Naira to people is not going to help when somebody's life is at stake. You, you stop women and their abusers, children and their abusers into houses without a way for them to, to get the support, the mental help, the physical help, the emotional help. There's nothing out there. It, that infrastructure needs to be built up. I've always said it, the infrastructures that need, us, that need attention in this part of the world is education, social welfare, health, 
I don't care how many bridges you're building and how many houses you're putting up, but if you can't take care of the people and provide the system that the people need, then what are you creating? Anywhere else in the world, women can move out of their abusers' homes and almost immediately there will be services for them. There'll be homes that they can go to, children can be in and go off to school and they can create some kind of normalcy in their lives to the best of their, their, their um, ability. The, the law enforcement takes it upon themselves to prosecute abusers. Over here, there is a dis there's an invitation to come ha have a chat and then the family gets involved. And before you know it, the abused is following the abuser back to the same home because they're trying to protect a family name. What name? And then when the individual is killed, it's sorry, and then their tears. It could have been avoided. So they're Absolutely. sort of normalized. They've normalized abuse to the point where it is acceptable and people turn the other cheek. You know, we had a situation at Live Abundantly where uh, we had a call maybe a month or five weeks ago. A young girl was being abused and um, somebody rang me and said, you know, can you please help? This girl has been sleeping on a balcony um, for eight months and she's beaten every night well how old is this girl I thought they were talking about an 18 year old they're talking about a 12 year old what's the situation it's a family of poverty and a cousin steps in and says we're going to take this girl she will live with us we'll care for her and they hand her over because they promise that they're going to educate her and get her to university through university guess what the girl was being beaten every night she was so emaciated when I saw her at the police station, I almost wept. But she was sleeping outside. Her own cousin put her outside on the balcony, the veranda, to sleep all night, crying. So on this particular night, she was just overcome with grief and pain. She ran to the neighbor, and it's that neighbor who got in touch with me. And at midnight, I'm going to a police station to come and comfort a 12-year-old girl who is sleeping on a metal framed chair at the police station. So I have to give her my scarf to cover up. I have to give her a pillow to lie on. There's nothing. How can you say you have gender units and you can't offer services? Nothing, this, something this has not, to change. Yeah, and this is not an isolated incident because it happens a lot, a lot. Yeah, it, it, there's so much going on. There are men who are coming home and beating their wives and then threatening to kill them. And they stay because of family. What is the value that we place on a woman's life? That's the question people need to ask. You're a father of girls, Nifemi. What is the value that you place on women's lives? There's so much value placed on the lives of men. We need to make a shift. And what's so bad now, it's the abuse is getting younger and younger every day. Now, little boys of 13 or 14 are beating up their girlfriends because maybe she didn't call or she's talking to someone else. There's so many instances now of teenagers being abused by their fellow teenage boys. I'm talking about girls now. Yes, there's also gender violence against um, the male, but I'm talking about young boys thinking it's okay. There was some um, video that was trending of this girl that 
had a date with another guy and they were like 18 or 17. And the guy got his group of friends and they beat the girl up. I'm sure you saw that video. It was like last month or two months ago. And they beat this girl up like with bells and things. But um, what was so good is they put it on social media and the police got involved and arrested them. I'm sure you saw this video a few months back. So what, what message are we trying to pass here that is okay for 10 boys to build up one girl because she had a date? She's a teenager. She can have dates with, you know? So what message are we sending as adults? So I'm so happy that Thinking and Imagine is actually taking up this um, 16 days of activism because even though it should be every day of activism, activism but fine, we're bringing it to the light because it has to change. All right, so we this have might to push for change. Hey, this might sound like a long-term approach, but I'm also concerned about the case that Dr. Ahmed talked about, a situation where certain people have, um, you know, number of children looking for people, family members, family attach them uh, to those children on their behalf. Um, what is this thing about? Not just um, having the number of the number of children that you have the capacity to raise. I know there's a lot about um, um, the dividends and the the demographic dividends in the population explosion and how we can impact positively, but we don't seem to have all the indices working. What do you say to this indiscriminate um, uh, birth childbearing that seems to have resulted in a lot of poverty in this part of the world? And that seems to have also given these children less, less cover and you know, individuals to look out for them. Um, can I just cut in here? Um, the incident Dr. Amman was talking about, however we want to sugarcoat it, it's human trafficking. And a lot of human trafficking goes on every day with our neighbors, our friends, and they don't term it as human trafficking, but that is what it is. If you take a child out of his home, they might be the poorest people on earth. And then you take the child and you promise to educate that child and you're going to give the parents money or you're going to pay for their fees or whatever. And then you bring that child to your home and you treat the child different from your own children and they're sleeping on the balcony and you're physically abusing them and treating them like they're below human beings. That is human trafficking. That is not being helped. That is depth bondage. You're putting that child and that family in depth bondage, which is a part of human trafficking. And it goes on so much in Nigeria. Yes, in Nigeria, it goes on a lot. They don't term it as human trafficking, but that is what it is, exactly debt bondage. Well, you know, Peter, you raised a very good point, and I know that this is not a data gathering um, culture. Actually, the entire African continent, we need to start getting data because there's so much data that's needed for change to occur. 
And if that data is not captured, starting with the birth of children, recording the birth of children, mm -hmm. uh, not faking documents when it's necessary, but actually mandating that when children are born, you record them. That way you begin to get a better idea about the population of this country, number one. Two, you begin to look at the services that are needed to, su to support this population. And three, you now make parents, families accountable for how they raise their children. You know, at the end of the day, if you have more children than you can cope with or care for, to use another phrase, then you become responsible for those. You can't take responsibility for those children. And so you're looking for other family members or others to take care of them. And it goes back to the cultural thinking, the cultural thinking of I can have as many children as possible and the children are a gift of God or whatever they, they, the good books have told them. But the reality is, if you don't practice family planning, if you don't start to think about what it takes to raise these children and give them the opportunities that they need and they deserve, then you put them at risk of being trafficked. You put them at risk of being abused. And for them to survive, they would do what is necessary. So a child being trafficked, and to be honest with you, the figures that are available from IOM right now, there's a greater number of people, children, being trafficked within Nigeria than outside Nigeria. I know you've talked about the Japa thing and people are leaving. This is different. Then there is much more of this human trafficking going on within the country itself. And it comes and stems from poverty. But these things can be addressed and they must be addressed head on. It's really sad how um, we're fast normalizing this development, particularly for households in Nigeria that uh, engage the services of underage children as house help. Many of them are, you know, children from the other parts of the country, from other parts of Africa, Benin Republic, and places like that. And it's a very active business. It's very fast being normalized. I mean, you you're married, you have children, you're on the lookout for house helps, and you. You just look for those agents, you get to pay them. Many of these children don't even get to be paid for the service they render. There's someone else, a family member, an agent who is taking. And I know that we've had conversations with IOM in this regard about how can we begin to criminalize. But beyond that, what more can we do as, as a means of actively sensitizing uh, 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 the seemingly uh, I don't want to call them innocent, but there's a lot of ignorance, you know, taking place here because there are people who engage the services who do not even understand that they this is a case of human trafficking. They don't they they don't know they don't know that those children in their houses are taken from somewhere. How how do we begin to engage, you know, actively engage the Nigerian populace, particularly uh, those who are in practices like this. So Nifemi, I have to clarify something. You know, there is a VAP law. There is a law that criminalizes it. The key is for the states to adopt those laws and for it to be reinforced. If you don't enforce the law, then it's just a law that's on paper. And you know the story. There are lots of laws, but who is responding to them? Who is obeying them? And who is reinforcing those laws? So there is a VAP law and it's against the law uh, to to move children or move people. And the key word in that law is coercion. 
Um, but again, what what right does an eight, what does a twelve year old or a ten year old know about? I'm going to my aunties in Lagos or in Ibadan to to um, to be with my cousin and to help with the what well, they're going to tell them that they're going to school. But the reality is that they become slaves. And the other question that you have to realize that I brought up earlier, and you actually raised a very powerful statistics about the forty percent of women who were married before the age of 18, there's a lot of child brides, you know, there are a lot of child brides going on, child marriages, excuse me, going on right now. That again goes back to poverty. And in some cases, religious beliefs that, you know, once you're a menstruating girl, then you're free to get married. And so you see this 70 year old men with 14 year old girls, it's against the law. But in some parts of the country, it is acceptable and those states refuse to um, reinforce the law or even adopt the, those laws because it will criminalize the behavior that the majority of them are doing. But they're putting these girls' lives at risk. They really are. And what happens is the girls will have one or two children, end up with uh, fistula, and before you know it, they're going for a younger, a younger one. And it just continues to perpetrate because the society, the cultural behavior that's acceptable does not give credence to women. We don't value our girls. And until we learn to value our girls and thereby value our, our women, this will continue. It is a patriarchal world. And in this society, the men rule. I want to add something from a personal experience. I was filming in one part of Nigeria. In a, it's, it's a village, but it's now more developed. And there was this young girl that used to bring food and she had a baby. And I was like, oh, aren't you kind of young to have a child? Um, and the other lady's like, this is her third child. And I'm like, how? Like the culture there is, once you start menstruating to have children to show that you're fertile. So a 20 year old girl can have four children without even being married from four different fathers and it's okay in that village, in that society, because now she's showing she's fertile. But now she has four children with four different fathers. So how is she going to take care of these children? They're going to end up being trafficked or sent to some auntie or uncle to stay with. And only, we, we don't even know what's going to happen to those children. So I think what Dr. Alma was saying about education being very important is paramount because if they don't know, then they cannot change because they don't know. They haven't been told that this is not is not common practice. You don't have to show you're fertile at 13 years old by having a baby. You don't have to show that you're fertile at 20 by having five children with five different fathers. You understand what I'm saying? So that learned behavior again, that cultural behavior, education is very important. I'm not talking about formal classroom education. I'm just educating people on this is okay, this is not okay. You don't have to do this. You don't have to be this way. You don't have to show that you're fertile. Some places you have to be pregnant before you get married. What if, what if you don't get married? Now you have a child, do you understand? So the practices too have to be um, enlightened. People have to be educated. So education is very, very important. Unfortunately. And please remember, not just being educated, but advocating and being aware, but we need yes. those, we need the infrastructure in place. Yes. We're lacking of infrastructure, really are.
And it's worse for boys, boys that are abused. Where do they go? Who's going to listen to them? You now have this cultural bias against boys that are abused. No one's going to believe them. So they live with shame and they're traumatized, but yet they have to be in this society. A society that says that, what do you, what do you mean she beat you up? I mean, you're a man, you, you're much stronger, blah, 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 blah. What absolute nonsense. I had a man tell me yesterday that he was beaten up by his girlfriend. Yes. But if you saw her, you would think there's a stigma that, that goes along yeah. with it. And we have to deal with it. There's a stigma for anyone who is physically abused. Um, but, you know, I'm looking at violence along the whole spectrum and not just limiting it to rape and domestic violence, because that's not it. We're talking about gender based violence, long spectrum. And we have to use that yardstick when we talk about it. This is the Thinking Reimagined podcast, sponsored by Allied Empowerment. Allied Empowerment Consultancy offers leadership and innovation through bespoke human development solutions, brain-based leadership, and coaching. Allied Empowerment empowers business leaders, teams, and individuals to intentionally accentuate desired outcomes built on trust, curiosity, psychological safety, engagement, and communication. Allied Empowerment thriving in a sustainable and valued manner. Yeah. By the way, it looks like Benny has joined us. Hello, Benny. Thanks for joining us. Please turn on your camera because we're, we're actually live on LinkedIn. Welcome, Benny. Remember Welcome. when we did Men Don't Cry? Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> if, so the if, the yeah. stigma is there, Men Don't yeah. Cry. Yeah. Hey, so Benny, welcome. Though, 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 it's, yes, Benny, you're welcome. Though it's not your your popular conversation, but there's evidence to show that uh, domestic violence isn't solely a female problem. So, um, one, they say, at one in four men have suffered from some form of physical abuse from an intimate partner. And that's why Ben is joining us. Ben is a poet and performer, and he has um, a show coming up, tied to Menace. And it's interesting to know that while we're talking about 16 days of activism, um, a lot of attention is turned to violence against women and girls. But I like that you're also now focusing um, on abuse where men are victims. So I'd like to, you to talk to us about, because I'm seeing on the flyer, Menace, uh, I'm, I'm seeing that this is based on actual events. Yes, um, so Menace um, was birthed out of giving voice to the hushed and the voiceless. Um, we have a lot of people, both male and female, that have gone through or still going through um, domestic violence and uh, gender-based violence, basically, not just um, domestic, physical, there's emotional, there's verbal, all kinds. And that the attention is uh, geared towards the female more. That's not to say that um, it's not important to give that Finding a balance is very important. If there is an abuse, there is an abuse, and it doesn't have to just be particular about the problem that we are trying to solve. 
So I have a few people I, some I met, some I heard their story and decide to be their voices. And um, so they share their stories. Like uh, I said, it's based on true events. So uh, then I decided, you know what? The world needs to hear this. They need to know this is happening. I know when it comes to uh, being a man, you know, to say uh, I'm being abused, because firstly, being a man, you're expected to just suck it up and just be the man. Because when they say be a man now, it's synonymous to telling uh, you strong, be, be firm, don't, don't flinch, don't show emotions, men don't cry, and all that. So you see a woman, you tell the woman, be a man, and you're wondering, are you trying to say I should be another gender? Or you see the man trying to connect with his emotions to tell the man, why are you being, why are you acting like a woman? That's where the problem is. So now the, the play, Menace, is based on true events of um, men that have been abused and being abused uh, physically, verbally, uh, not just from their spouses, some other ones uh, are really connecting, fighting for, like there's one character fighting for his sister who was being abused by another man. Okay, so it's, it's it, the focus of the play is on the root cause of this because we keep attacking the rotten fruits, the, so to speak, the rotten fruits of the tree of uh, gender-based violence, but uh, there's a root. If you don't nib it by the roots, it keeps growing and it keeps bearing fruit, and we just keep trashing the root, uh, the fruit, and all. So now I'm trying to give the people an idea through story, because there's power in storytelling, and to let people connect and empathize and be compassionate about people, and realize that this is a, a particular topic we need to not just. Uh, jettison or touch lightly. He has to find a balance and help these men, help men that are trying to become better men. If, even if they're showing their weakness, they're trying to tell you I'm human. Being human means you have a level of weakness, you have a level of strength, and you are aware of that and know how to use it well uh, for, your, for the betterment of humanity, basically. So yeah, and the play comes up this weekend. Yeah, tomorrow. Saturday the 26th and the 27th, that's Saturday and Sunday. At, uh, it's in partnership with British Council and with um, Live Abundantly and Allied Empowerment. So I think that's that about it. And it's well researched. It's not just um, trying to praise the man or say, uh, you need to pity the man. No, it's just the truth. Because I often say, which is one of the uh, line, the phrases that uh, project is attached to. So there are three sides to the story: the told, the untold, and the truth. Because oftentimes you hear the told, the exactly who knows the truth, and it's sometimes it's one uh, maybe a victim dies, we don't get to hear the old story. So we don't have to wait till one dies before we start um, making changes. Something about it. And Dr. Amma said something earlier before I was outside the camera. 
she mentioned um, there are laws, but the question is, um, are they being enforced? Are people really taking it into consciousness that, okay, these laws are not just there to fill books. They're not just there to say, oh, there is a society, there is a nation, there is a community that uh, we just have to write something for, but to abide these laws, are they being enforced? Uh, just, it just um, something has to be done. And uh, if it takes one or two to perpetrate uh, violence, so you know, to, and it yeah. has been the 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 many cultures that project such men as weak. Uh, so look at you, and then you tell me you're doing a play from experience or from lived experience. I'm wondering. I mean. The average man is wondering, really, the woman has beaten you before. You have been abused before. How come? Is it that you're not man enough? You mean you can't defend as a man? And that, that, that really has been the narrative. So it, it's really bold when we now have a situation where men tell their story. But speak to us very briefly about the how important is this? Because there seem to be, when you look at what the United Nations is doing, there seem to be uh, that perception that the focus should be on women. Oh, women are marginalized. Oh, the current situations around the world is now, you know, making women and girls victims of abuse. And um, there's also the, the need for men to come on board if this menace is going to be tackled. But at the same time, you're saying that this is not a female-only challenge. So isn't there yeah. some, some sort of, um, um, how do I put this now? Some sort of uh, mixed uh, interests. So on one hand, men are to come on board to ensure that mm -hmm. of equality is achieved. But on the other hand, men are also saying that we are also victims in this case. Well, Nifemi, come on. You and I know the truth. The, the, the data shows, let's be honest, enough of this, yeah? I've allowed you your moment, so now let me, let's break it down. The data shows that the number of women who are violated is disproportionately higher than that of men. It is true that men are beginning to speak up about the experiences they're having, but the data is much stronger for women. Now, we live in a patriarchal world, in a world where you men dictate or think you're dictating what is going to occur, and you are dictating it, right? It's the reason why, you know, when you look in the business world, we're, we're dealing with the issues of you know, how much money women can get from the VCs and, and the disproportionate number of men who, because they're males and there's an affinity bias, will get the funding that they need before a woman gets the funding. That's another form of violation. If I'm just as good yeah, as right. you are, and I am putting something out there that is of meaning and innovation to everybody, why are you going to give it to men to a man, the money to a man before you give it to a woman. So we know the data in the US and in the UK, in the US, I think it's like 2% 
of women who get the actual funding that they want from VCs. And I don't know why I'm deviating here, but I'm trying to give you an example. In the U in Europe, it's 1.2%, 1.8, I think it is right now. The truth of the matter is that kind of funding has actually dropped since the pandemic. So we're going back to the pandemic. What happened during the pandemic? A group of men ruling the world, the 191 countries in the world, most of them are ruled by men, not women. They sit at the table and decide what it is that is important for them to address. Well, the issues that they're addressing don't necessarily affect the women. So you need more women at this decision table. You only have to look at some of those global leaders when they take photographs and you see that it's just about a handful of women here and there that are at the table with these men. Look at a UN conference and see how many men are invited to speak as opposed to women. You devalue women. And so when you devalue women in the workplace, it continues in the homes and in other areas of society. We have to give credence to women. If the women can have more decision making, and I, I always say to the women, if you don't get a seat at the table, bring your bench, take your place at the table, say what you need to say and get it going wherever you are. We're not going to change this power dynamic. The power dynamic as it exists right now does not benefit women. There's a lot of tokenism. As a woman, I don't want it. I don't need it. But we need to stop that. But we also need to educate our girls. There's no reason why you're taking your girls out of school because they have rich puberty to become wives. You're using them as a way to earn money and to bring wealth into your families. That is not why you gave birth to them. And then in your homes, when you're beating up your wives and your children, your girl child that you're having run around, do you know how many families in Nigeria actually keep their girls at home or send their girls to work so that the money they bring in is being used to educate a boy? We have one of those. We actually have quite a few that have come through the Live Abundantly program. Why? The boys are going to get through school, get married and leave you behind. The girls are going to come back and think about you, their parents. Why differentiate what you're offering to girls versus boys? That's a form of violence. You're violating girls. But my whole thing right now is we need to make a shift in the power dynamic. Enough of the talking about what is going on. It is time for us to address the issues. And the root cause of all these issues goes back to culture, religion, social behavior, biases, discrimination. If we don't start addressing these, it's going to get worse. As I said earlier, the latest study from the UN, 300 years to reach gender parity. I won't be around. Maybe there'll be about six re reiterations of me that will come back and I'll be able to say, oh, good. Now I can have equal access to education and to funding and all of the things that are meant to me. Women's right is human, human right. I'm a woman. I don't want to come back as a man. I want to come back as a woman. I've got work to do and I'm coming back for each and every one of you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so I'm hoping that we can. Go, you want to pose another question? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I am going to. I want to say, um, people, when you say abuse against men, they think it's a, um, it's a, um, what do you call it now? Power of strength. It's not that the guy is weak; that the lady beats you up physically. Abuse is much more than that. It's not about we're fighting and she won. That is what people yeah. think. That is why they say a lady beats you up. No. There are women that burn their husbands or spouses or partners with irons. I've seen that. I have seen that. 
that is a form of abuse. There are women that give their husbands mickeys so they can sleep with them. That is a form of abuse. So there's so much more than just physical fighting and this person won or this person is weaker. It has nothing to do with that. Abuse is not a show of strength or whatever you want to call it. It's much more than that. Well, I agree with you, but the question is, how do you end this bias and this discrimination? Because exactly. all of that leads to this violence that we're dealing with. I mean, here we are once again talking about 16 days of activism against um, violence and we're, expand we're expanding it to, to contain all of the entire spectrum. What are we doing? That, what are we going to do? What are we doing? That brings me to um, something I mentioned to you yesterday. I saw this video that's trending on social media. This girl has like millions of likes and follows or whatever. And she posted, if a guy rapes a girl and then apologizes and then gives her 1 million, would she report him or not? She said she would take the 1 million and then ask him for a second round. So what message are we trying to send there? What are these young people thinking? They're making jest of rape. Rape is not a sexual act, which I've mentioned one million times. It's not about having sex. So what is that message? Did you see that video, Ben? Yes, I saw it when you sent it through, no, um, Peter. Yeah. Did you didn't oh, you see didn't see it. it. It's, no, no, I, I didn't. I, my mouth was just dropping. I, I just, I was, I was still speechless because has that girl ever seen a rape victim before? <laughs> You know, oh, when you hear what I said, Ethan? Yes, I saw the video as well. I you think saw the that... video. Oh, okay. My mouth, my jaw just dropped. I'm like, and there's more videos like that going around. Yeah. So are we glamorizing rape now? Not necessarily. You know, you know um, young people, when it yes. comes to social media, they feel another freedom of speech and freedom to just go um, crazy on social media just for people or go walk. Yeah, that's the word. You know, uh, you think you're woke by uh, saying stuff on social media and while some other people take everything said on social media very serious. So you don't even know who you are, uh, who it's affecting. Exactly. Because whatever it is on social media, it affects everyone positively or negatively. So when you have people make a... Uh, jokes about things that actually people are dealing with that are things very traumatic for them and just just crazy because then the question like dr Amos said is how do we fix this can we still shut down social media so that people don't do this no it's still the human it's the people where is it coming from uh societal influence peer influence things the media because most the media has Play. Because if the media keeps projecting certain things, uh, it engineers people's way of thinking, which is why they say, okay, we use the media. If you really want to fix people, the media has a, has a big part to play. Because what people see often and what they connect with actually uh, re engineers their mind. So if you keep saying people make jokes and say them it's a skit and they say it's just comedy, nah. There's certain things that you shouldn't uh, talk about. If it's serious, it's serious. People need healing. You joke about suicide. You joke about uh, people uh, abuse, getting raped, 
abuse and all that. It's just, it's just sad. And you see people comment, people even laugh and people give excuses. Exactly. It. It's, it's, well, it's, 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 um, sorry, I interrupted. What's so funny about it? No, no. I checked the likes and I checked the likes of other videos like that. And they were like in hundreds of thousands and millions. And then I checked the likes about, um, human trafficking and, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah the media has a part of it but we ourselves i mean not me because well i viewed it so i guess i'm one of the millions but i'm saying <laughs> the society you're right it's a society so we have a responsibility too to speak up absolutely and sharing and laughing and adding to it now I wish you know, I had because if you yeah. ask me. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I wish okay. I hadn't said okay. it because now I'm part of the numbers that's increasing. Aha, aha. But I saw oh, it not because I wanted to, but because it popped up as an explore. So <laughs> and yeah. Well, because there you go. Ask me a question like, why did I choose to do this topical play that could have done something else, make laugh and I'm like we all have a, uh a, we we all have a what's it called now um we all have a, a past to play so if you ever speak to be happy and we need to have serious conversations too it's not just about um gliding over the truth and making it look like the problem is not there which is to be calm sorry not sorry to say at the end of the day, we realize we are not really tackling this. We just want to go by and be merry and be happy, like nothing is happening. But this thing keeps happening until it eats everyone up and it's, uh, it's difficult to fix. So if we don't start, it starts with me, it starts with you, it, start, it grows that way. Because the person that liked that video, it started with one person. The person that viewed it started with one person. And it keeps increasing, keeps increasing. It's like you see a video now, out of curiosity. Guess what? If I go on social media and start looking for the video, I add to the number. So what if out of curiosity, I just tell myself, no, I'm not going to see it because I don't want to increase it. Because once you increase the number, the algorithm may know yes. what happens with social media. It keeps popping because it has That's why it popped views. on mine as an explore. Ah, exactly. Ah. So we have yes. to really take... Uh, actions and not just think about it but actually do that's it basically which is what menace is about i am doing yeah talking about menace many so it's a one-man play how does that work only you on stage will you be apart from reciting poetry will you be singing i mean it's i've been playing that back and forth in my mind <laughs> a one-man it's, it's multi-dimensional okay so you have um you have a man like you see him physically but by the time the play starts you see 15 to 16 characters playing out and you can tell the difference yeah it's the performance so it's um uh multi-dimensional <laughs> so you see me i'm being an old man i'm being the little boy i'm being the lady i'm being the police and then all that so it's just just beautiful and it's storytelling with poetry, drama, and um, yeah, a little bit of comedy in it.
to oh. yeah you 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 cry you you laugh you get upset but at the end of the day you know like here the truth we're running from so how long is the play uh 90 minutes 90 minutes looking forward to it uh i don't know um, i must say i saw the first and when is so believable that he just gets transformed into these different characters that you don't even realize is the same human being that's playing them so i recommend everyone go see this because you i tell you you think they're different people and it's just one human but when you're there you think you're watching different people looking oh, forward if you to think you've seen him before trust me you have to wait till tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> So Mr. Boyi, that's what he's saying. Thank you. All right, we have to go now. Dr. Amma, I'm glad that this 16 days of activism is not only focused on uh, gender violence, I'm, I'm violence against women and girls. I think it will, we're now talking about gender-based violence, which uh, captures everyone, whether you are in the majority or minority. But I'd like to have your final um, comments on this particular conversation before we go. Okay. We'll return to Dr. Amma while hopefully she fixes that. Can I have your final comments, um, Mr. Boyer and Benny, on this one? Okay. Well, I think every day should be gender violence-based activism, but um, let us um, try to be aware, create awareness, and be conscious of what we're doing and what we're teaching the next generation. Because like I said, they learn by example, not only by our words. So it is something that should be brought to the forefront because it happens every day. All forms of gender-based violence, not only physical, mental, but like was mentioned in the podcast today, there's so many forms of gender-based violence. And the more aware and conscious we are, the more um, we get to know about it. And we hope that people will make changes. Like uh, Mr. Peter said, it shouldn't just be, well, advice. If it's something that will keep having the conversation every day, every time. Yeah, I think it's that. So keep having the conversation consistently that you wake up. It's not only when you are crossing into a new month, you say happy new month, you should say happy new day every day. So the same way we should have activism every single day, talk about it, talk about it, even the, uh, the truth about, like, you know, this uh, is drowning us and we find a way to fix it. So it shouldn't be a one-off, it shouldn't be Christmas. <laughs> It should be an everyday. Okay. I agree with you. All right. I think that um, we're having issues with Benny's network. I must say that um, there's a lot of um, expectation as we count down um, towards the, I think the 16 days of um, activism kickstart is a day after this recording. And um, Dr. Tama mentioned the Qatar issue earlier. Campinas are now calling on FIFA and other football associations to show some solidarity and also 
a Mondial to amplify the voices of Iranian women uh, who are leading national protests following the death of Amini, the 22-year-old Amini, uh, while she was detained in police custody uh, after she was arrested for not wearing the correct hijab. So there is so much expectation as to perhaps there will be a tipping point, something drastic that will make people change their mind, particularly when you consider a situation where there seem to be uh, a lot of um, reactions. I mean, a situation where governments are, countries around the world are now considering laws and policies that will foster the identity and all of these things that we're talking about to cater to women and also defeat the issue of gender-based violence. Dr. Ama, if you're there, I'll take your final comments now. I think I'm, I've had to move completely, but hopefully you can hear me. Am I audible? Yes, you're audible now. My final comment, I think, is one that I will always stand by. It is time for us to take action. It is time for us to change the power dynamics. It's time for us to value the girls and the women in our lives, actually, for us to value each other. Those are my final words, really and truly. This can be addressed by putting the proper infrastructure in place. Um, in the places where there is an infrastructure that supports those who are being violated and getting their lives together with mental, emotional support, financial, getting along with their lives, it does make a difference. But if you don't have those kinds of systems in place, then you deal with situations where girls are violated, they get pregnant, and the option is you, get, you marry them or you go to prison. That's not an option as far as I'm concerned. No, that's not an option. Or your girls get to a certain age and then you think that they become the pawn for making your lives richer. That is not an option. So we have to value each other. We have to take steps to make sure that people are living lives where they can thrive and live to the fullest potential without being violated in any way possible. The level of violation in this world is too much, whether it's microaggressive, discriminatory, biases, physical, emotional, financial, it's too much. It's time for change. And we have to come together and unite and deal with it. Thank you. We must value each other. Well, one thing is certain, that the issue of violence against women and girls is preventing, And you and I can become active, can begin to play active roles in making this a reality. Dr. Ama, thank you for joining us in this episode. But the finisher, looking forward to see your much talked about performance on Sunday. And Peter Amon Boyer, thank you so much for your contribution on this episode. I'm Nifem Yogunsoye. It's goodbye, everyone. This has been a Thinking Reimagined podcast. The executive producer is Dr. Amma, co producer Peter Amon Boyo. And it is moderated by Nifemi Okuntoye. The podcast is edited by Nelkan and supervised by Dun Sokwa. Thinking Reimagined emphasizes the importance of transformational conversations, which have as their aim the bringing about of the rich diversity of thoughts and most importantly, powerful and applicable effective solutions and change. The views, opinions and contributions of the panelists are exclusively theirs and do not reflect the opinions of thinking reimagined producers or personnel. 
Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening, and we, we hope, hope you, you have enjoyed, enjoyed this episode. episode. We invite you to subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and other outlets. We look forward to presenting another riveting episode next week. Thinking Reimagined Podcasts is produced by Live Abundantly. We welcome your thoughts and invite you to visit our website, livesabundantly.com. Or you can follow us on social media on Live Abundantly 8. Thinking, Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset, the mindset for, for a better global, global society. society.